Welcome to Unlocking Conflict, where we talk about handling everyday tensions and disagreement better. This week, Anna tackles what to do when someone won't tell you why they might be being off with you, or how to open up a conversation on an issue that no one's talking about. But before we begin, we've been so excited to hear from people who are listening to this podcast and having discussions with their friends and families off the back of it. So we thought we'd say, if you find it useful, please do feel free to share, like, review, send to people, discuss with people. And also, we'd love to hear from you. What topics would you like us to cover? You can email unlockingconflict at crux.org.uk to let us know your thoughts. With that said, let's crack on. Hello, we're here this week with Fiona, Sharon and Phil to talk about how you open up a conversation when for whatever reason, and there's lots of reasons, people aren't up for talking about a conflict situation. So let's dive right in. Um, What can you do when you suspect someone might be in conflict or have an issue with you, but they just aren't up for talking with you about it? I had a conversation with our daughter this week to seek her advice on this. because she's somebody who has a preference not to engage in conflict and would prefer to have time to reflect before she decides how to respond if she's angry with somebody. And the thing that she said she finds most difficult is when, if somebody's really angry and and she perceives that they're sort of attacking her, she would prefer time to think about it and reflect and be moderate in her response But if someone keeps pushing, she's more likely to be, as she said, rude back to them because she feels backed into a corner. So the takeaway I took from that was that for somebody who's more reflective, actually maybe inviting them to have a conversation might be more useful than sort of coming at them, expecting that they're going to be ready to engage. So I was wondering whether our little NVC model might work with somebody like that, which is make the observation. So when you're quiet, I feel anxious because I don't know if you're angry with me or what you're feeling. Would you be willing to have a conversation about it? And the likely answer is no, if it's a reflective person who's not ready to talk about it. So if you refine that question to, would you be willing to agree a time when we might be able to talk about it? that's not backing them into a corner that's giving that's still making the request in our mvc model of i've noticed something this is how i feel i'd like to request something of you but it's also respecting that person's agency and deciding when they want to engage in the conversation Um, and just a quick recap in case people haven't listened to all the different podcasts nvc stands for nonviolent communication and what were the different steps in it fiona you're the expert in nonviolent (laughs) communication all right, well, we, we start off with making an observation where it, there's no judgment attached. That's the main thing about it. I've noticed that you were quiet. I've noticed you didn't smile when I came into the room, something like that. Then you go on to a feeling, something that you feel. Perhaps I, I, I'm feeling sad or, or concerned when I didn't see that. And then you go to a need, a need that we all share. Maybe I'm, I'm needing some reassurance that you're okay. And then going on to maybe an offer or request that Sharon's mentioned. Maybe we could set aside some time to talk about it. I'd love to to make time for you if you were willing. So that's the sort of fourth step, which would really fit in very well with this sort of scenario as well. And I would say that 
I would go very, very softly. And, and Sharon's already talked about timing and with their daughter, just letting her process some things themselves. And I, uh, often we feel quite, may feel quite raw or anxious after something's happened. Uh, and it's good not to leave it too long, but to leave it long enough. So I think being very sensitive to the timing, if we know that person, reading some signs, not going in too quick, not going in too slow. As someone who avoids conflict and uh, probably exhibits some of this behaviour, I would say I'm probably less reflective, but more just sort of avoidant. So yeah, allowing enough space, but not too much space that I can completely run away. Sarah, who I'm married to, will gently ask me questions, but give me enough space. So maybe it involves sitting in a bit of silence and it may take me a bit of time to conjure up what it is that I'm feeling. Also creating that space that I can be vulnerable in. Avoiding the kind of interrogator that we talked about in previous uh, episode on listening. You know, not firing off a million questions because I find that quite, that to me is also aggressive. I shrink when I get interrogated, but not not also avoiding it, like actually bringing it, it up, but doing it in a very gentle, sensitive way. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to distinguish between somebody who's reflective and somebody who's conflict avoidant, because sometimes somebody who's reflective is, is not actually wanting to avoid the conflict. They just want time to frame a constructive response. And so we shouldn't conflate the two things. They are two very different characteristics. And equally, somebody who's an extrovert who, who's very good at vocalizing how they're feeling and what they need and may be more likely to say things and, and kind of name what's going on, they're not necessarily enjoying being in the conflict either. So, so I think there's two separate things. There's a, there's a sort of style thing about uh, whether you need to be reflective and then there's whether or not you're prepared to engage in in conflict or in a difficult conversation and I think the interrogator often is trying to meet their own need for clarity or for understanding or for certainty or for reassurance or for comfort so the person who's quiet and reflective might perceive that as as being aggressive or attacking or interrogatory when actually it's that person desperately asking questions to meet their own needs and Mutual respect in the space of we're each responding slightly differently to this, but actually it would be helpful if we could each give each other the space to talk about it in the way we need to is probably a good mindset to come into it with. Listening to that, I would feel, I think, much more comfortable trying to open up a difficult conversation with someone who is reflective (laughs) because I feel that they maybe are going to be slightly more measured and calm when they respond how do you respond to someone who you know you want to open up a conversation with but you are worried they're going to be really fiery because that's the kind of conversation that I would personally be most scared of I I would try and reflect and and we've talked about curiosity before in the other podcasts so try and reflect on what might be going on for that person what might be the issues what might be the reasons for being silent Um, and they could be out of self-protection they might need safety, might be defence, self-defence. They might be frightened of a worse conversation that might come later. They might be frightened of, of what could happen in the next conversation with you. Um, or it could be an act of aggression. It could be a punishment that they're meeting out for you. 
so all of those things are possible and you know there's so many different scenarios it's very difficult to generalize but I would say the first thing I go for is is trying to open the conversation with reassurance that this conversation isn't going to go straight back into the issues which drove the last outcome but it's about connecting with them it's about respect and value for them and about maybe um, sharing something mutually we're both feeling quite quite disappointed or sad or frustrated or angry um I, or i'm feeling that and i'm guessing you might be too i really would love to connect with you in some way um but giving some kind of reassurance yeah and i think to kind of from a slightly different direction as well is watching triggers or, or, or cues that people are showing so I think quite often when someone is avoiding or silent but actually still might be quite angry or might might be just avoiding completely key things like they'll stop making eye contact or they'll they'll slightly turn away or they'll kind of shrink you know I think you can see a lot of things in the physical and so actually trying to counteract some of that stuff by as Fiona mentioned, reassuringly, maybe making a bit of eye contact or, you know, trying to be friendly and natural, not staring, but like try to sort of reassert care, I guess, through your own body language towards that person, I think can help to kind of win them round a little bit before the conversation starts. I think also acknowledging that something's taken place is really important. Um, I think we can be very British and sort of pretend it hasn't happened and feel, okay, so we'll just start off and be all bright and breezy. <laughs> it's another technique. And I heard somebody say that they'd had a real row with someone and that person came in and tried to reopen the conversation as if nothing had happened the previous day. And they were really annoyed by that. We have to be very careful. It's, it's, it's a thing of respect to acknowledge something without um, being fierce about it or, or going back into the argument. Yeah, I think humility is quite important as well. Approaching them respectfully and with humility and also being prepared to make yourself vulnerable to say, when I see this behaviour, when I can't connect with you, when I can't make eye contact with you, or you leave the room when I come into it, I feel really sad. And I'm also wondering how we can get past this. And I, I'm wondering whether a conversation might be a good way to start. And to just open the door for, for a conversation. And if, if you get the no, I'm fine response, which is, which is very likely, I've been reflecting on this and wondering whether there's a value in then being able to express your disappointment. I'm disappointed we haven't been able to talk about it. But I understand that you're not ready to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. If you change your mind, I'm open to, to hearing what you have to say because I'm still feeling quite agitated. It feels like there's something going on here that we haven't got to the bottom of. And I, as Fiona said, I want to connect. I want us to be okay again. Can sometimes disarm the person who's really got their shield up and either sulking with you, or as Fiona said, are too scared, scared to kind of engage. So I don't know if that's helpful. Absolutely. I've I, I got a um, time when our son was... Um, withdrawn about something and I really felt there was an urgent need to to connect with him and he didn't want a conversation and I said look I actually would you would you set aside some time just to listen to me and I then reassured him that what he was going to hear was something he would like to hear not something that he didn't want to hear that was important 
and I started off an apology. Um, apology is a very easy thing to start off with because usually one's done something that you can apologise for. And he really appreciated that. It was a genuine apology. I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing around here, but he listened to me. I also said to him, would you listen to me? And I don't expect you to have to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to say anything, but could you just bear with me? Because I've got some things on my mind and on my heart that I want to share with you. You know, and I went through this, so probably I spoke for about 20 minutes and he was just nodding his head all the time because I was trying to connect with where I thought he was at. And at the end of it, I said, I think some of that sort of landed probably. And he said, yes. And then I said, look, if you ever want to come and talk about any of that stuff, and even if you want to come and talk about it and say, I don't want you to say anything. So you do the opposite. I'm very willing. Just just tell me that and, and I'll make space for that. Sorry, <laughs> that's really helpful to have some really specific words and ways of opening. Um, so you've talked about saying starting with an apology yourself um, or starting with how you're feeling so that the other person can understand that a bit more. And I wonder if there's any other helpful uh, tips, like opening lines that people would use. One, one of the things I discussed with my daughter which I found so interesting because she knows I work in this space and so we ended up sort of segueing into quite a general conversation about work and she said you know how when companies recruit people they do psychometric tests and they work out whether people are going to fit into the team I think people should when they join a new place have a conversation about how they are likely to react in conflict before there's a disagreement about anything so if I was joining a team I'd say I feel really awkward in conflict. I really prefer to reflect on things. So if, if we were having a difficult conversation, I'd probably want time to think about it. And she said, if everyone did that when they joined a team, then you could agree how you were going to handle it if you were having a disagreement. And I just thought, well, wow, that's amazing. And then I said, yeah, I suppose in a family, though, it's a bit trickier, isn't it? And she said, no, it's not. It's easy. And I said, well, why haven't we done it then? She said, it just hasn't occurred to us to do it. Just because <laughs> it hasn't occurred to us doesn't mean it's not easy. And I thought, what great insight. Actually, before you're even in this situation, if you were able to agree, how are we going to deal with stuff when we disagree? And I think, Fiona, you've built that up over the years in your journey with nonviolent communication and kind of within the family. So it's almost like you, there's a permission if you approach it in that spirit, to have a good conversation and hopefully get a good outcome. So I think a tip would be, whether it's in a friendship group or whether it's in a work team or, or maybe even in a partnership or a friendship, to say in advance, what should we do if we, if we get into difficulties that we can give each other permission to deal with it in the way that works for both of us? I think that's a really helpful tip for um, particularly conflict that keeps coming up time and time again. So if in a relationship you're constantly finding you're arguing over something and it could be anything, but you never get to the bottom of whatever it is. So have that conversation about how you deal with conflict rather than diving into the conflict each and every time is a, a really good idea. Hard, but it means that you then have almost a process for having those conversations, which means that those difficult conversations can actually be opportunities for change and something positive rather than just a negative cycle. And I think with a reflective person as well, one of the things you could agree between you is if the reflective person doesn't want to have the conversation now, that you could have an agreement that they'll come back and say when they're ready to talk about it, but that the other person 
Now I also have permission to say, have you had enough time to think about it yet? Because it's still really playing on my mind. So it's a, it's a kind of, it's an equal partnership of coming at this. And it's not just the reflective present going, well, you know, I'll come back to you in a month if I can be bothered. So yeah, agreeing those boundaries up front is probably quite helpful. I mean, if you've got a good relationship with someone, then you begin to build almost the the questions or the requests around what it is when you're probing so actually it might just be what's going on for you could just be quite an open quite a gentle conversation and then a bit of space for them to kind of reflect which might respond you know I've responded before it's like I have no idea I need to go away and think about that but as you say it's it's a it's an open sort of dialogue as it were that both can come back and say have you thought about that or what have you got any clearer on what's going on one of the things that i i'm hearing you all say though and this we talked about in previous podcasts is that all of this starts with yourself (laughs) not with the other person and when you are angry and in a conflict situation it it can be really hard to be self-critical and decide that you have you've caused some of this and you are being you're having to be sincere you're having to be humble you're having to be open to criticism to start this conversation again and that's quite a hard thing to do (laughs) so in this situation are there some things that really aren't a good idea things that you should really avoid at all costs when trying to open up that difficult conversation I think something for me if I feel like I venture something and it gets dismissed out of out of hand without any due thought or someone hasn't really listened to what it is that you're saying and that's a big thing where I'll just be like right I'm checking out yeah I I remember um role playing somebody who didn't want to talk they were very angry and I got so into that role and I remember (laughs) everyone trying out NBC on me of their observations and their feelings and everything else and I was getting more and more annoyed because I just said I don't want to talk And I think the irritation for me in that moment was nobody was listening to me. (laughs) And what I would have loved somebody to have said is, I hear you don't want to talk. I recognize that. I'm I'm sorry. Let's let's do this later. Or let's just sit and have a pint in silence or something. Just a bit of friendship, a connection. But I think we want to get it done. At least I do. I want to get it sorted. And it's it's taking it in slow stages and saying let's be content with just making a connection how do we build a space in which we can grow that connection again don't let's go into the issues just let's say look you're important to me you're worth you're worth me kind of coming and and wanting to reconnect with you let's just see how we can do that so it, it needs to be a a first conversation, an A to A plus conversation we've discussed before, not an A to Z where you immediately go back and try and sort everything out because that's going to send it the opposite way. I think the other thing is that if somebody is not keen to talk about something straight away, it could be, this sounds ridiculous for people who don't recognise this, but I used to say I don't do anger. I actually genuinely hadn't experienced anger probably until my mid-20s. I didn't know what it felt like to experience it. And I probably, if someone had come at me and wanted to force me to have a conversation that I felt uncomfortable with, would have avoided it, said I'm fine. And probably in a fairly short period of time, I would have made a decision to overlook, as I think Stephen referred to in one of the other episodes, we can make a conscious decision to overlook something that someone's done to to hurt us or harm us or make us feel sad. And 
if that's how I feel, then I don't need to talk about it anymore. I've moved on. And so it's this idea of giving agency to the other person to choose. Not only may they not want to talk about it right now, but they may be choosing to just forgive and let go and move on and put it behind them. And then there is no longer a conflict. And the other person then needs to reflect, but what are my needs in this? And if I'm still feeling uncertain and unsure, that person's chosen to move on, but I'm not ready to move on, then they've got to find a way of expressing that need and helping the, the other person to understand there's still something going on for me that's unfinished. Because a relationship is one of respecting each other's needs. And how do you build that assertiveness? You know, somebody else said, I'm fine, there's nothing to talk about here. And maybe they are fine, but you're not. You finish as feel as unfinished business. And particularly if you're somebody who perhaps is more reflective or conflict avoidant, should you say anything? Or should you work on just yourself and think, no, I need to let this go? How do you know which is the right approach there? I think if you feel it's going to get in the way of the relationship you have with them and it's going to go on getting in the way, then that's a moment where you take it seriously. And we've looked at uh, our own needs and our own feelings. And I think it's unpacking what's going on for me here. What actually do I need at the end of the day? What is the need? What is the feeling? And if you're clear on that, it's much easier to make a to connect with the other person to tell them what's going on for you so they've got something tangible to listen to if it's just a general outflow of anger or irritation it's going to be very hard to sort it out but if you're clear then it's it can be said in a different kind of way and it can be received and you can do something about it yeah i think it's moving beyond the feelings and tuning into the needs isn't it because if you're feeling angry and frustrated and you express the anger and frustration rather than just taking a moment to pause, why am I feeling angry and frustrated? Connect with the need and then share the need with the other person. They're more likely to want to, to want to connect with you than feeling like they have to defend themselves from your anger. So I'm feeling really angry and frustrated because we still haven't made that big decision that we keep on avoiding making about moving house or do I need to take that job or are we inviting people around to come <laughs> into the house? And is it within social distancing rules for Granny to come and spend some time with us or not? <laughs> um, I, I don't know about you, but I've had quite a few conversations in the last couple of weeks with friends where groups of people have maybe planned a holiday and now somebody's flights have been cancelled and, and a group of people are having to have a conversation about what are we going to do about the holiday. And with two different friends, it was really interesting reflecting this week one group of friends, before they even started having the conversation about what are we going to do for the, the six of us who've booked to stay in this villa in Crete or wherever it was, said, before we start, can we just agree that we're all going to respect the choices that other people are making and then make decisions based on those choices rather than arguing the pros and cons about the risks and the perceptions of risk and who's got people they're shielding at home and Let's just agree that actually we're all coming at this with different perceptions and different factors that we're weighing up and we're going to respect each other's choices and we're not going to judge each other. They had a really good conversation and came out with a really good outcome. And another group had a really difficult conversation where the group is now split in two and there's WhatsApp groups and messages going to and fro with everyone judging everyone else for how they're so risk averse and it's all costing X thousands of pounds to, you know, 
to have the, the holiday cancelled. And I really, I, I thought that was a really good example of where even just, even if the group have never previously agreed how they're going to deal with conflict, just the two minutes before the conversation started, someone thought of this and said, before we start, can we just all agree we're going to respect each other's choices and not judge each other? Yeah, in a one-on-one -on -one context, similarly, if, so as a passive person, if someone who's maybe a bit more assertive gives me permission to assert my opinion by agreeing and saying, you know, it doesn't matter what your opinion is, I'll, I'll just listen to you or whatever. Or, so allowing the passive person to be more assertive and making that okay. Because quite a lot of the time I don't want to be assertive because it feels like I'm forcing my opinion on someone else. Um, and so that's why I become passive. And so that might be what's going on. So having permission is is really useful and then having space. So permission and space. I, I've got one um, sort of question, I suppose. It's about the person who you're not in touch with very regularly. They may not be in the same location and something's gone wrong. And it's really a question of how, how do you open up that conversation? Often, I think in a friendship situation, you can end up in, or you can end up in a situation where you feel, obviously, this friendship obviously meant more to me than that person because that person's not reacting in the way you expect them to react, or they they haven't been in touch. And and I have a, one example of this with a friend who went to university with, we were great friends, and moved to London. Everyone's lives got busy, and I didn't see her that often. I didn't really think anything of it. I hadn't really crossed my mind. Then I met up with her, and. You know, she did something brilliant. She sat down with me and she said, Anna, I've been feeling a bit hurt that we haven't seen each other and that you haven't been in touch. And maybe I'm, maybe this friendship isn't that important to you, but it, it has hurt me. And I was completely oblivious, carrying on in my own little world, thinking everything was fine. And you know what? It did wonders for the relationship. I didn't mind. I mean, I felt sad and I felt upset, mostly because I felt like I'd been really selfish and horrible. <laughs> but... I wouldn't have known she felt like that. And that situation could have got worse and she could have drifted away feeling angry about me. And instead she was brave enough to say it to me. I really respect that. And now I, you know, I, I'm aware of that. And I think, no, friendships are to be valued. I need to put more work into them. I can't just expect a friendship to last when I don't see someone from one year to the next. And that was a really powerful lesson for me on a number of things, but also in the power of actually saying something and being brave enough to. Coming back to your, how do you start that? I think start small in some respects I think I'd probably naturally just start with a little text or something like that but I think it's a balance between starting small but also making that person feel valued mm -hmm. so actually calling them up might make them feel more valued so you could maybe try the door a little bit with a text but then quite quickly you need to up that up that game to show the value to that person this is all about building space isn't it building a safe space building a space that we can agree on um, that's um, mutually respectful. All of those things are incredibly important for these kind of conversations. And putting the relationship above the issue. So actually, we want to stay friends. Our relationship is so much more important to us than the money or whether or not we get to see each other on Saturday. And that's what Stephen has said in previous episodes. You start with the relationship is more important than the problem. And that completely reshapes how you engage in the conversation because you're about protecting the relationship. When me and Sarah were dating, occasionally there'd be things that would come up. But I preface it by saying, this isn't a relationship ending conversation. This is just a conversation we need to have, but this doesn't affect how I feel about you. However, 
like let's talk about this issue so you kind of put the relationship ahead of the issue I think the three of you just summarised our conversation really, really well, (laughs) just before I was about to do it, to wrap up, which is thinking, first of all, when you come into a situation where you want to open up a discussion, is how much does this really matter to you? Do you need to... Do you need to have the conversation? And if you do, really, really considering first how you do it, considering how you're feeling, what your needs are, how that other person is likely to react or why they're feeling the way they are, and then preparing the ground for that. So not necessarily diving in to the issue or what you see as the issue, but laying the groundwork and think, and knowing how to approach it, talking about how you're going to have this conversation when that person wants to have the conversation or the best time for it and creating that safe space so that you can have a reasoned discussion about it rather than tempers flaring the whole time. So before we finish, is there anything that any of you feel that's been missed, any any areas that you, you're dying to tell people about that could really help them in this situation? I think probably one thing I would add is with somebody who is either avoiding conflict or is, is a more reflective person, to not try and lure them out through social media or engaging remotely because I think a conversation, it's it's much more subtle and you can calibrate your responses and you can be gentle in how you try and connect with someone who's who's holding back in a way that you just simply can't with, with a text exchange or, or a WhatsApp exchange because the words are written down, they go off and you just don't know how they're going to land. One thing I would add is that is is to do as a as a kind of passive person as someone who perhaps avoids conflict is doing some self reflection and working out how you respond and what your own triggers are and what your behaviors start to be because sometimes I won't even know that I'm really angry or annoyed. I think it starts leaking out in other places, so noticing when you're doing things slightly passive aggressively or slamming things down or being unnecessarily grumpy it's really important then to recognize that and then do the internal work to say okay what's going on for me and do I need to be a bit more assertive and have a conversation Mm -hmm. with someone about a particular thing because it has affected me so once again it starts with yourself (laughs) always starts with yourself what's going on with me before you can expect somebody else to tell you what's going on for them Thank you, everybody, for your time and your words of wisdom. I think, again, thinking about your words and thinking about how to create a safe space for that other person is key from what I've heard. And hopefully everyone listening has had a few kind of starters for 10 that they can take away with them and think, oh, I'll have that in my back pocket and be able to use that when when the time comes. This has been Unlocking Conflict. Thanks for listening.